Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Maria Kim. She has been someone who has had a corporate career and now is doing something else, and we'll talk about that. But after 13 years in the insurance industry, uh, she, in 2005, she decided to join CARA, which is a social purpose organization uplifting people and communities through the power of employment. I have been there live. It is an absolutely amazing, amazing organization. Uh, Maria also serves on the state of Illinois' 21st Century Workforce Development Fund Advisory Committee and the Cook County Commission on Social Innovation. Her social purpose experience includes past board leadership at Horizons for Youth and her current role as a founding board member for the Epic Academy at Charter High School in South Chicago. So I am so excited to have Maria Kim with us here today on the Female Inside Zone. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what CARA is all about. And um, I, I know that, you know, it... There's a lot of you know organizations who do some of the similar things that you do, but I know that it's extremely unique, and I'd love you to talk about a little bit about what you do and why it is so unique. Sure, happy to. So, Kara, I, I guess the easiest way to think about Kara is that we are an organization that helps adults affected by homelessness and poverty to get back to work. Um, we do that through what I like to call boot camps and businesses that help folks re-enter the workforce sustainably. And we do it through a community. The word Kara actually is a Gaelic word that means friend. And our founder, Tom Owens, really wanted us to be an organization that is an individual's deepest friend in their greatest time of need. Um, so yeah, we're all about helping folks to get back to work. But as some of our students have said in the past, we're also about helping folks get their mojo back. Just get back on their feet and plow ahead uh, for a new and positive future for themselves and their families. So I attended uh, the the pre-day meeting. Talk about that at CARA and what you guys do every morning. Sure. So that morning activity is called Motivations, and it's a morning pep rally. It's a way that we get revved up for the day, that we kind of set the tone for a new day. Each motivation is anchored by a question. So the question might be something like, who or what gives you great joy? And think about the question as a theme. It's what we talk about, right? It's a theme that kind of governs uh, the topics for the day. And what this is, is you walk into a big room, there's folks gathered around in these concentric circles, somebody runs into the middle of the circle, introduces themselves to everybody, answers this question, hopefully revealing a little bit of themselves along the way, and then busts into a song. And the reason why we do it, it's definitely off the beaten path. It's definitely a little bit kooky, a little bit crazy. But the reason why we do it is just to let go, you know, is just to have fun, realize the strength in our own stories, and do the things like public speaking and, frankly, singing that we think we cannot do. Yeah. I mean, I, so when I attended the, the, 
the time that I was there, I'm sitting sort of around the back and I'm observing this. And we got some pre-warning that, hey, this is going to be something totally different, totally unique. And it was. I mean, I looked around and there were people laughing and cheering and crying and doing all sorts of things. And this happens every day at Kara. I mean, this is, it's absolutely, like if I lived right where you were, I would go there every morning because it is such a charge. And even uh, when I was there that day, there were people that were there that just stop in on that morning activity. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's open to the public. So I guess for your podcast listeners, anyone that's interested in checking us out, they can feel free to drop us a line and we can host them any Monday through Thursday at 8.30 in the morning to check it out themselves. It's pretty neat. So not that the, the people that utilize the services of Kara are statistics, but I know you have some amazing success statistics. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, the people that come, go through the program, really get trained back into the workforce and go into the workforce. What what happens? Yeah, so we have folks who, again, come into our programs in search of employment, and we work with them in a full-time uh, simulated workplace environment, basically, to get them back to work. Then for folks that may need some extra skills, we have two businesses that we own and operate that we hire folks into, right, so they can build their skills along the way, and then ultimately we place folks into permanent employment and stay with them for one year, maybe two and three, as they navigate career advancement over the long term. Uh, this year we placed, uh, I think it was about 940 um, jobs were created or secured through CARA. And our one-year job retention rate is a record high of 78%, um, which for those that aren't aware, when you compare that up against Bureau of Labor Stats numbers, they're over 25 points higher than the national norms. So it's awesome, right? It's about people that are really hungry and interested and eager to get back to work, build the skills and the esteem to break through those barriers and get right back to it. That's amazing. 940 jobs. That is not even close to being insignificant. That is huge. And the 78% retention, that was the number that really stuck with me the first time I heard it because I thought, well, that's got to be higher than the national average. And then you said it. Yes, it's higher than the national average. That's absolutely you know, amazing. And so what do you credit this, this retention I mean, what are you guys doing internally that's causing this retention to be so high? I think it's a couple things, but maybe if I distill it down, one of them is that we don't just focus on the job skills for work. We also focus on who we are. And so in our curriculum, we talk about some pretty provocative stuff, um, not just Microsoft Office and interviewing skills and cover letters and thank you letters and how to navigate the internet and all that practical stuff, but at the same time, we also do discovery on things like love, you know, on forgiveness. Who do we need to forgive in order to really focus on our future? Um, we do conflict management exercises that really get to the crux of how we perceive other people in a way to try to provoke some controversy inside the classroom. And the reason why we do that is because we want to unpack together what do we do when life gets in the way? Or what do we do when individuals say stuff to us with which we don't agree? You know, how do we take the constructive from what is communicated and walk away from the rest? And in the case of the, of the harder skills like love and forgiveness, how do we really get to understand those relational and other barriers that we've experienced in the past that frankly have probably led us to not keeping employment over the long term back in the day 
how do we unpack that, get through it, bust through it, and know how to properly kind of manage both and when we re-enter the workforce in a new day. Amazing. And skills that probably every single person who works, um, you know, should really, I mean, is it true that everyone really should go through your program if that was available to everyone? I mean, it seems like this, these are things that every organization could use and learn from as to what you guys are doing with, with what could be considered a high risk population, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's funny because obviously in the national vernacular, we call things um, like this, the soft skills. Right. But at Kara, I think the way that we, we look at it, we kind of flip it on its head and say, you know what? I think those are actually the harder skills. Yeah. These are the harder skills that if we can figure them out, then the rest of life and the blocking and tackling of stuff that you don't expect to emerge into your life, all of that navigation becomes a little bit easier, you know, when you build up your harder skills. Right. So let's say it's, um, you know, that I've gone through the program and I'm out into the work world and I, I hit some tough times. How many people like me would pick up the phone and call back to Kara and ask for some additional help? Is that part of the program? Is that something that um, you guys deal with on a regular basis? Absolutely. And it's it's part and parcel of the whole program, meaning you don't leave this place without a coach who's ready to step with you for at least that first year on the job. And by step with you, I mean work with you to go through your first performance appraisal with a, a new boss. You're not sure how to do that, so you want to talk to somebody about how to prep for it. All the way to you're transitioning from transitional living to more permanent housing. How do you go about doing that? Or your childcare gets trumped up because your scheduling changes. How do you navigate those challenges? You've got somebody who's wholly dedicated to you, quarterbacking and coaching and walking with you for 12 months, you know, to get through that first critical year on the job. So yes, folks call us, and frankly, when they go dark, like if somebody, for whatever reason, detaches from us, we go searching for them, because we want to make sure that they know we care, we still advocate, we want them to reach this critical milestone so that they can get through to more sustainable employment. Wow, that's it's incredible. Now, how do, how are you guys funded? Do you have, uh, you know, do you accept donations? Do you, what do you look for from companies, from individuals, from donors? What do you need? Yes, we absolutely accept donations, Mary Beth. Thank you for <laughs> asking that question. <laughs> Feel free to hit www.thecaraprogram.org. Absolutely. But all joking aside, um, the way that we raise money for Cara is certainly through private philanthropy. That's about a half of our budget and that's coming from corporations, so corporations who want to sponsor events and things like that and foundations and also people just like you and me that want to give to a cause that they believe in. Uh, another 40% of our revenue actually comes from our own businesses. So we want to do right by all these investors in, into our program and say, you know what, we're also going to drive a piece of this pie by earning income or driving revenue through the two businesses that we operate. And then the final 10% comes from the government, um, city and state and federal government sources that help to support the work of workforce development. And so what are the two businesses that you um, have internally? Yes, yeah, so one is called Clean Slate, and it's a neighborhood beautification business, meaning we're out in communities doing litter abatement, doing landscape maintenance, uh, snow removal, 
graffiti removal, things of that nature. And then we also have a contract staffing company called TCP Staffing. So think of it like a very boutique manpower, right, that's out there helping companies that need seasonal or contract employment get those needs filled uh, quickly. Excellent. And you're generating 40% of the revenue of the organization by those uh, businesses. And I'm assuming that, you know, it could be even more as they as they continue to grow, which is which is absolutely amazing. And I, I think sort of unheard of, maybe. Is that is that right? Well, there is the, the the notion of these businesses is called social enterprises, and so social enterprises are certainly growing not only in Chicago but across the country. But to have them at this level of scale and producing not just uh, revenue but but jobs as well is certainly a big benefit of Kara. Hmm. So. A question about you. So you have an MBA from University of Chicago. You spent years in the insurance industry. What what happened in, in your life to say, hey, this is where I now want to devote my time, my effort, my energy um, at, at a place like Kara? Absolutely. So it's funny that you mentioned my MBA because a lot of folks assume that I got it before I switched sectors. And the truth is, I actually went through the uh, University of Chicago Executive MBA program um, after the fact, right? So I just got it a few years ago. And it was while I was in the social purpose sector that I was like, you know what? I want to strengthen my acumen on a variety of skill sets because, frankly, though we call this the nonprofit sector, we all have to produce a profit. It's just that organizations like CARA reinvest the, their dividends in a different way. It still requires the same discipline. It still requires the same principles and practice. And I just wanted to become stronger in that regard. Uh, but to answer your question about, well, why the pivot, um, frankly, it was 9-11. You know, when 9-11 happened, we had two shocks, at least in, in my circumstance. One was our firm got acquired, you know, as many insurance firms back in that day did. So we kind of went from a scrappy, entrepreneurial, family-owned company to a much different environment. And then personally, when 9-11 happened, I was funky blue, as I'm sure a lot of us were, you know, where you kind of pull up for a second and wonder, if I've got only a finite number of days on this walk around the sun, what am I doing? What am I doing with my time, my talents, my treasure? What am I doing to really lean into this experience? And, and so between those two, I would call it a personal and a professional shock to my system, I thought, you know what? I think it's time for me to go into vocational work. And so saved up money for a couple of years to make the pivot and left in 2005. Wow. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of people think about doing those you know, sorts of pivots in their careers. And some do and some don't. But I just I think it's absolutely amazing and wonderful that you've done it. And of course, you know, doing the work that you do requires all the same business skills, you still have to um, be able to be a viable entity and and something that is continuing to get better and growing and the principles are all the same. It's just the way you pay taxes are a little different, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> So what's the next uh, step for Kara? Do you have some, uh, some goals to serve X amount of people or are there other larger scale goals that you guys have at, at the Kara program? Absolutely. So even though I'm really proud of numbers like 940, that's amazing. The reality, Mary Beth, is the fact that there are 600,000 Chicagoans struggling in poverty every day. 
600,000. And so that number is an all-in number that includes the littlest and the babyest among us and also the elderly. But even if I take folks on either extreme out of the equation, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of individuals that are struggling in poverty every day. Uh, I believe that we must grow in order to take a bigger dent out of that demand. And I think that we're going to grow in two ways. One is to reach individuals who are experiencing what I'd call episodic poverty. So folks who may have hit a bump in the road, a layoff, a medical instance that's thrown their household upside down financially and have somehow lost their way out of work. How do we take the principles of what we've done and rapidly re-employ those individuals so that they don't slip into a deeper cycle of poverty? And then on the other extreme, I, I look at young people, so individuals who may be, say, 17 through uh, mid-20s who are struggling to just enter into the workforce. So there's a kind of double-dutch approach to how do I even break into the workforce um, when education and employment have eluded me in, in the past. How do we get those kids, those young people, early enough so that they don't live out a life of poverty? So I think we want to not just grow our mainline programs, but we want to expand who we serve in order to get more people under the tent and, again, rapidly re-employ or, in some cases, employ individuals so that they can stay and keep out of poverty. Mm -hmm. yeah, incredible. Um, the hundreds of thousands of people. How, what is the, the methods that you use to reach out and find these people who are in need? You know, I think we have to go to where people are at. So when CARA was first created, it was kind of a field of dreams model. Like, if you build it, they will come, you know? And people would come down to our campuses to receive services. I think today is an era where we have to go to the people, meaning where else do individuals need other services? Well, that might be um, parents who are going to their children's school or food pantries where families go to to get supplemental food for their home, or health centers where families are going to to get some other triage care for them or their children. So are those places where we can pop up and avail our services kind of out in the field to attract and engage people of a wider demographic? I think so. And those are the kinds of outports, I guess, that we're testing out today. Are you finding that there are more women or men, or is it generally kind of down the middle in terms of those that, that are coming to you and in, in need of, of help and support? You know, it, it used to be predominantly women back in the day, but frankly now it is closer to 55-45, so it's just about a straight split down the middle. Wow. And what about housing? Do you guys assist with helping people find housing once they're employed, or is that something that uh, you've got other resources you direct them to? So we work in partnership. You know, we get the fact that our core competency is workforce, 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 but we know that we can't exist in a silo. So we rely on a whole constellation of partners to help source individuals to come into CARA and also to help them find a destination in terms of their housing and other things on the, on the backside of employment. So when an individual is stabilized in their employment, then we start leaning on our resource partners to say, hey, who can help us find a more permanent landing spot for this individual and their families. And we're so grateful to all of those anchor partners that help us find um, housing solutions that are affordable for the individuals that we serve. 
So a lot of our listeners are business people, professionals, business owners, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives. Uh, how can they provide help to you? I mean, I, I know that uh, it could be as a source for jobs for the people um, that you're bringing through your program. But what are some other ways that uh, people that are in business right now can support Kara and can help the, uh, the effort? Yes, so certainly jobs is a key, and sometimes we frankly engage a lot of corporations that don't have entry-level employment, so they scratch their heads and we're all kind of frustrated like, oh, what can I do, what can I do to help? And what I tell individuals like that is that remember that even if your firm doesn't have access to jobs, you have access and influence over a suite of vendors, partners, and suppliers that may indeed have access to entry-level jobs, and any warm introductions in that regard are a tremendous, tremendous a boon to our mission. Also, I would appeal to corporations to say, hey, think about our businesses. You know, we have an exterior maintenance business and we have a contract staffing company. If you ever need those kinds of services, then buying products from a social impact business like ours certainly helps missions as well. And then finally, I might say, individuals who are coming through our program are always looking to see what they don't know. Meaning, if I don't know what it's like to work in a hospital, I'd love to see what that's like. And I might see or imagine it if individuals from a hospital or from XYZ company come out here, talk to our students, do a corporate service day, engage teams you know, to connect with individuals that we serve so that they can set a model for the future and kind of you know, tickle somebody's aspiration about what they want to be on the other side of employment. Yeah, I just think that, that what you are doing, what your organization is doing and you're, you're leading is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think that there's so many ways that people can help and participate and uh, and, and help individuals. But, but, you know, it's almost like you're helping others, but you're also, in a lot of ways, helping yourself. I mean, there, there could be very many things that CARA can help organizations with, like, you, like what you just talked about. And 78% uh, retention helps organizations. Um, also, you know, some of the other work that you talked about really, really helps. So I think it is an absolute win-win, and, and it's something that uh, I personally uh, was so moved by, as I said in the beginning, when I first found out about CARE and attended your meeting. Well, what is, when I was there, um, there was something that people said that uh, if you say this, immediately everyone is like, what, what did you say? Um, and, and so, and what is that phrase? Do you remember what that phrase is? I absolutely do. Yeah. So we, we believe that language is pretty important. You know, when you, when you say words out loud, they have meaning, they have texture, they have import. And so we get um, riled up when people say a word like try. <laughs> and what happens when somebody says, I'm going to try to do blah, 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 the whole crowd is like, ain't nothing to it but to do it, so do it. Um, <laughs> and I think the point there is really there are so many things that we box ourselves out of because we convince ourselves, our mind convinces ourselves that we just can't. That, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot, maybe I'll give it a try. And that just by virtue of using those words, we already start to disempower ourselves from the act of doing it. So our community just kind of wants us to turn that upside down and be like, hey, you know what? Ain't nothing to it but to do it, so do it. 
<laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Maria, so much for being a part of the Female Insight Zone today. This was wonderful. Um, it's it's inspiring the work that you're doing and the direction that you've taken with your career and with this organization and with the people that live in Chicago. It's just absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity just to spread the good word to your audience. Thank you. It's been a real honor to be a part of it. And from the Female Insight Zone, this is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>